Welcome everyone to the Russell Chami host Russell Chaudhary and can't wait to jump into this podcast episode episode number 73 we have a special guest Michael Sieva in this episode we will learn more about Michael's new book called I know so don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on our podcast let's dive in Hi Michael thank you so much for coming to the show really appreciate you for taking the time out and yeah joining me in this episode so how are you doing today it's it's been an awesome day so far man thank you so much for having me yeah the pleasure is mine i'm super excited to know more about your book which is uh, title is i know and yeah it's kind of interesting to, uh, title to be honest so before i get to know about <laughs> your book and more about yourself so we would like to know like how you got started with uh, in coaching business what actually inspired you to become a coach and help others in their journey yeah you know so i was raised in a really small town in uh, michigan and i worked in the family lawn, lawn maintenance and landscaping and and snow plowing business and it always felt really challenging and difficult i did it from age 12 until 24 and it never really felt fulfilling but i didn't know why yeah. and then at age 23 24 i moved from michigan to the state of arizona and i spent about 4 1/2 5 years working in the hospitality industry and right. that kind of cre- created that same feeling of oh, this doesn't feel quite right i don't really know what my career is supposed to be but this doesn't feel right yeah but thankfully in 2008 uh, i started a masters degree at the thunderbird school of global management and there at that point in time we each of the new students was given a career coach mm-hmm. and my career coach Uh, gave me a couple of assessments and she asked me a series of questions and after we did all of that discovery she said you would be really good in human resources leadership development or coaching right. and it was something that i hadn't really considered so here yeah. i am at, at age 2000 2008 i was age 28 and it, it was the first time ever that i had ever considered myself a coach mm-hmm. so she was kind enough to extend the offer to me the second year of my degree so in 2009 to coach first year students so helping with resumes and cover letters and yeah. uh, interview tactics and linkedin and that was where i became a coach so i didn't start coaching really until i was age 29 and right. and so it happened for me as a second year student coaching first year students and i realized when i was doing it i completely lost track of time i got in flow mm. and there was something about it that felt like the opposite of the work in my family business or the work in the hospitality industry and that's how yeah. i knew in my heart that there was like okay this this is actually pretty cool i need to consider this long term yeah i can totally relate you to the hard like a background in hospitality as well i worked in a restaurant and i was like hey, probably 8 years since i moved to uk when i was 16 to age uh, 24 or uh, just doing that while i was building the online business as well same time i had to take a business and the hours is to be like i used to look at the clock when i go into the restaurant like at 4 o'clock and ato is like already 8 9 o'clock you know when i look at it it's like half past 4 you know <laughs> it's like a half an hour it's just going so slow right now like what i do with like online marketing wise like i can work 10 hours 12 hours and would realize that like the time flies with the podcasting as well yeah right right now i record about four or five podcast episode per week but in top of that i talk to about 20 25 new people every single week so we can wow. schedule it for like next week and something so from monday to thursday my schedule like all packed up from 8 in the morning till like 8 pm in the evening but same time like i'm not tired or i'm not like a 
canceling any appointments or when I'm in the talking to someone, it's just a conversation flows and I really enjoy it. Yeah, so when I was working real. in a hospitality business, it's like that wasn't for me. Like half an hour, <laughs> I feel like a three, four hours. <laughs> and, and I can totally relate to like you coming from. So yeah, since then, like you became a coach age of 29. Is that something like you did for like a full time on that time or like a yeah. made a transition? Yeah, that was, it was uh, one of those things where I think I was still too naive and too young to like really coach mm -hmm. full time. And I did what a lot of other MBA students do is I took a full job, a full time job at a really large organization. And yeah. I did that for almost two years. And so from 2009 through the latter part of 2011, I worked in human resources for a very large not-for-profit healthcare system in the Southwestern part of America. Yeah. And, and it, I was, it was nice. I made good money, had the car, uh, had a great girlfriend, like all of these things that were nice. But then there was one day in February of 2011 where I was driving down the freeway mm -hmm. and there was a rush hour traffic and I was just sitting there and I looked around and I just started crying uncontrollably. And I was like, this doesn't wow. feel like coaching. Yeah. Right. It doesn't feel the same way. And so even though I had the things that society says makes you successful, like money, the car relationship, yeah. all that, I felt completely void in my heart. Like I did not feel fulfilled. And so it was that moment that I said, okay, I need to launch my own business sometime later this year. So then in October of 2011, I stopped working for that organization and I started my coaching business full time. Right. And so, and yeah. that was a really challenging experience too, because I didn't really have a process. I didn't really have a brand. I didn't really have a, a good network. I didn't have a marketing strategy, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so as I took the time to develop those things, I ended up uh, teaching classes at a local university to be able to pay my bills. And right. so I, I was building the business nights and yeah. weekends, but I was teaching classes by day. And so after about a year of doing that, I took a job at Arizona State University to be a career coach to graduate degree students. Mm -hmm. Again, I was still building my business nights and weekends, yeah. but I needed that three years of teaching and coaching for another company to take care of my healthcare benefits, to be able to uh, pay for my bills day to day, yeah. but I was still focused on my business and building out the website and building out the process and building out my brand through my marketing. And then thankfully at the end of 2014, I was able to go full-time into my business as it is now. Yeah. Well, why a journey like uh, similar with me as well. Like when I was working in a restaurant business, I did the three and a half years with my family and was while I was doing that in the nighttime after finishing my shift, and then I was building my online business and weekend and during the daytime as well. So yeah, completely related to the like, it's just like a hustle you have to go through like when you become a full-time and a lot of people don't understand that and a lot of time, like they don't take the leap thinking, oh, I can pursue my dream or job or like a career or something because I have a job, I have to look after my family. But with you and me, like we are like taking one step at a time we are paying our bills and everything, what the job we don't enjoy or something. But at the same time, like we are building our business on a weekend, on a weekdays, yeah, after like you're finishing your job. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. great. Like I, I really like that. And then from 2014, you started your business and ever since you're doing the full time and everything's going right. <laughs> yeah, it is. You know, that's the thing about these things. You nailed it, right? Is that some people have the expectation that they're going to be able yeah. to stop working full-time and immediately start something on their own and it's going to be successful, but it's a pretty big learning curve, right? You have mm. to do a lot for yourself and for the business. And so thankfully in 2011 through 2014, 
you know, I was able to experiment a lot with my business in ways that I wouldn't have otherwise, right? If I was yeah. having to make money. So then January 1st of 2015, as I made the transition into working for myself full-time, I started out with career development coaching, and then I did a little bit of communications training because I'm certified to use the DISC assessment yeah. and, so, and some other assessments. And so I started to do a bunch of communications training, and then I got really interested in personal branding. So then I came up with a personal branding process in 2015, 2016. And then all of a sudden, I was in the process of really liking executive coaching. So 2017, 2018, 2019, I was doing a bunch of executive coaching. Yeah. And then we got into 2019, 2020. And then it was more like organizational development change in consulting. And then earlier this year, as you referenced, you know, I published the book January 1st. Yeah. And so what I want people to, to realize, right, is that the first two to three years of starting something, you have to have consistent incomes coming from somewhere, right? So a full-time yeah. job, part-time job, whatever that is. But that gives you the courage and the confidence to then take risks in your business. And then for me, I was able to kind of evolve and iterate my business year after year to be where it is now. Right. Mm -hmm. So I've been leading teams of people for 25 years, but I've only been really coaching for just over 10. Yeah. But my business has seen a lot of growth and a lot of possibility and a lot of change because I was willing to take risks and try to stay current with the market. And yeah. like the market is evolving so quick, right? You're probably even seeing it too. Yeah, yeah, so true. Like, whatever used to happen like two years back is now happening right now, and things change. Even though with the pandemic, a lot of brick and mortar businesses going out of businesses and they transition into online businesses. A lot of people not, never thought about doing YouTube marketing, Facebook ads, and they are getting into it. So, yeah, people have to learn different different skills. Also, like using a Zoom call. So most of the businesses are used to work with the, like lawyers and everything. Uh, when the pandemic happened and everything locked down, there was proper uh, scared. Like, uh, how am I gonna see my client? How am I gonna do something? So they stopped their marketing and everything. Like after a month later, they just discovered like a Zoom. Like I mentioned, some of them, a few people, uh, researched it online how to do meetings and everything online. They found Zoom, Google Meets, and things like that. So it's like a web conferencing. A lot of people are sold courses on that, like how to use a web yeah. conferencing, like online. Yeah, true. And yeah, it's like a new thing is coming and people adapting, even though 10 years, five years from now, it'll be like a new thing, like a VR and AR. So we probably doing the meeting, like feel like yeah, I'm your home and you're my home. <laughs> and <laughs> we, we're going to have like a different things. Like Facebook has already started doing that. Yeah. Like they call a company called Maker. Yep. So, so yeah, it's, it's every time like a, we have to adapt the situation, like things changes and we have to change according to that in order to stay in business or stay in living the life in the first world. It's, it's just too fast. Everything is moving. It is. Yeah, it is. I agree. Yeah. And it's a, that's, I think you nailed it, Razzle, in that we have to stay current with it. And that's hard because humans naturally don't like change. Yeah. And so that's why I try really hard, you know, in the book and in other ways that I coach is to, to try to get people to understand what their life's mission is or what their core values are. And then in, so that if you operate on the why of yeah. that, right, your personal mission, your personal purpose, all that, that's the why, but then the how can be different. Mm -hmm. So well, what I try to teach people is that if we can surrender how something occurs and focus in on why we're doing it, we're going to feel very fulfilled by that. Yeah, because I couldn't have imagined 10 years ago that my business as a coach today would be 
executive coaching, it would be team training, it would be public speaking, it would be consulting around organizational culture change. I have online courses, you know, the things that I have today as a coach, I clearly did not even have one, two, three years ago, mm-hmm. namely 10 years ago, right? No way. And so I just want people to feel safe that if, if you were ever considering something around change, around iterating yeah. something in your life, now's the time. Yeah, right now, like you can have like a 10 year vision. Yeah, it is like a, I think 20 years back used to work for right now is a technology world. You can have like a 10 years vision, like I'm going to sell online courses in 10 years time as well. But we don't know what next thing going to come in a couple of years and you're going to stay behind. So you have to adapt it. Like having a, like a one year goal is perfectly fine. But other than like more than that with technology world, it's just like a next thing. So we used to be like a service-based digital agency before. And right now we are doing like a paper lead model, selling a lead journal. And people are more interested in that rather than paying us like a monthly $2,000, $5,000 where they had to trust new company and things. So what's the, my ROI, what's the guarantee? When it's like a lead, selling a $100 lead, uh, this is what you're going to get. It's like a product base. So they can yeah. like, oh, I need a 50 leads, so $5,000. I know what I'm getting. But if I'm paying you $5,000 for servicing, top of the premium for marketing, and I don't know what's the guarantee in there. So yeah, we have to adapt and change. Later. So yeah, we can talk about that all day long. So before <laughs> we do that, let's get into about your book which is i know why is the title yeah you know i know uh is a simple way to explain uh earth has been going through some pretty big uh, transformations and we're seeing it in society Mm -hmm. and so for the last two thousand years up until the year 2012 uh, astrologists referred to earth as being in something called the age of pisces and in uh, in America, NASA calls it the, the procession of the equinoxes. Right there's the 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 Earth's magnetic poles change basically every two thousand years. Okay. Uh, we don't we don't talk a lot about this, but yeah. but it ha- happens. So in 2012, we transition into something called the age of Aquarius, and in the age of Aquarius, the kind of the underlying theme of it is that people instead of believing in something outside of themselves, like a celebrity or an athlete or a politician or fill in the blank, mm-hmm. they're starting to believe in themselves. They're starting to believe in their own purpose, in their own journey, in their own mission. Yeah. And so uh, what I, what I thought of when I was, you know, kind of doing that research and understanding this transition for earth was to say, what's the fastest way that I could help a person understand that they should trust their own intuition mm-hmm. and trust their selves and trust their own gut. And that's where I, I read somewhere. I thought, so, I was like, I need to call the book. I know, because I want every person who reads the book to know in their own heart that they have the answers to all of their life's most difficult challenges in their own heart. And yeah. so it's, it's not that Michael Siever knows Michael Siever <laughs> knows himself and his own journey, but I do not know Razzle's journey. I want Razzle to know his own journey and to say yeah. that he knows, or I know for him. Make sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So in the book, like, what do you actually talk about? Like what type of uh, topic uh, you cover? <laughs> Yeah, there are so many. Uh, So, you know, overarching, the book is really three sections. And the first section is about how do you end and let go of an old version of yourself, right? Right. Because in order to in order to advance to your next level, you have to let go of some version of yourself. Yeah. So the first section I talk about processing loss, if you've lost something in your life, overcoming fear, 
or how to do emotional release really well. If you're feeling really emotional or really anxiety ridden, mm -hmm. there's, there's processes in the first three chapters that help to release that. Now, the second three chapters are about being in a neutral zone where you don't really have to take action, but it's about what's your personal brand, what's your level of emotional intelligence, yeah. and how do you define a new identity for yourself? Okay. So yeah. this just, it's just a place to iterate and experiment, right? So those three yeah. chapters teach you what your personal mission is or what your core values are or what makes you different in the marketplace. And then it shows you how to then show up as that new identity inside society in some way. Mm -hmm. Okay. And now the third section is about new beginnings. And so what do you do to share your brand with the world? You know, what is it that you're going to do to lead an engaged team? And what is it that you're going to do to coach others? So the way All that right. we designed the book was three sections that people could walk through step-by-step-by-step by step by step yeah. so they could end and let go of some version of themselves and then experiment in this kind of emotional neutral zone and then try completely new things and these new beginnings. And so we designed the chapters to be a story from myself or from a client. Mm -hmm. And then there was some psychological research to help explain why this was occurring. And yeah. then we put in a five or a six step process to say, if you need to overcome a fear, do this one, two, three, four, five. Or if you need to define your personal brand, do this one, two, three, four, five. And then we close each chapter with a, a short story to kind of solidify that point. So overarching, right? I'm trying to get people to go from a place of believing outside of themselves, something outside of themselves yeah. to, to believing in their heart that they have all the answers that they need. Yeah. Interesting. So is that like a book inspired you with like a, your life event or something to write this yeah. book? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm a learner naturally. So I do read quite a bit or listen to books quite a bit. Yeah. And there were a number of people over the last probably 10 or 12 years that really did help and guide me. And there are elements inside the book that I could pull from probably 15 or 20 different, you know, authors or books mm -hmm. that I've read, but the, the way that I kind of saw it, the way that it kind of came about was that for probably 18 months prior to me deciding to write the book, right? Because I wrote yeah. it in the year 2020. Um, there were a lot of people, clients and friends of mine saying, hey, you know, we know that you've had a lot of really tough experiences. Why don't you tell your story? Right. And I, I was really scared to tell my story, but I didn't yeah. know what people were going to think. I didn't know if they were going to shame me or judge me. And so the reason why I wrote the book is because I had been given all of these signs, like friends and colleagues and clients saying, Hey, tell the story. You got to share your process. This needs to be shared bigger uh, mm -hmm. with a bigger audience. And I was so nervous that I was like, no, nah, I don't want to. And then I finally worked up the courage to be able to write it in 2020. And so it was really like, I wanted to tell my story. I wanted to tell client stories. I wanted to be able to put out these processes for people to help them if they genuinely wanted the help. Yeah. And so that, of course there are lots of inspirations that have come from books or that have come from friends or family or colleagues or clients, but it really came down to, was I willing to overcome my own fear about telling my story? And so yeah. eventually in 2020, I was able to get to that point. Yeah, that's great. So like uh, your own journey inspired you to write the book and obviously your clients and like a friends like i encourage you to do that so yeah it's really great yeah 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 thank you and it's like you just never know right you and yeah. i couldn't have predicted 
you know, how much my life would have evolved or changed mm. after I wrote the book. And that's what I, anybody, you know, really, when we think about doing something that's difficult or hard, um, or it confronts your fears, of course, it's like, do you know if there's going to be a benefit after you do this really hard thing? Yeah. And the truth is, yeah, you're going to learn a lot. You're going to help a lot of people. Uh, and you're going to feel completely different because the way I feel in my heart today is totally different than I felt even two years ago. Yeah. And so the process has been enormously beneficial for me. Yeah, which is great. And it's not easy to write a book, you know, like I'm struggling to write my own book. <laughs> and it has been like a quite a long time. And I have interview one of the guy i can't remember what's his name uh yeah howard berg and he read about thirty thousand books and he's the world fastest reader he can read 86 pages per minute and he understands it and he gave me some methods of how to write a proper book wow. so he tells me like <laughs> a, a do a powerpoint presentation so each presentation where i can talk about like a one hour and that's like a one chapter and that could be mm. about 50 to 60 pages after we mm. convert into text so if you have to write 600 books i mean 600 pages uh, then what you can do is do that 10 times 10 presentation each segment and then record the whole presentation and one of the software you can transcribe into, into like a text and just do that then later on you just fix some of them spelling error like a grammar and everything else um, and that's all like uh, you got the book and yeah. that doesn't take you like a six seven years you can do it like a couple of months no that's you know? it's so true and, and actually it's funny that you say that Razzle, because i kind of followed a similar structure mm. is that i i hired a writing coach to help me right because i never had written a book so i needed someone yeah. to guide me a little bit but what we did was she told me she said okay i need you to give me a draft of the title of the book and like the main thesis of the book and then kind of the overarching chapter structure, right? So I had to sit and think and say, okay, here's the overarching structure. But then what we did is that on, on one Thursday, she would send me questions that uh, that were connected to the thesis of that particular chapter. Right. So then I, I had a week to then kind of think about it and process my answers to those questions and then on the following Thursday, she would use the Otter app, otter.ai. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I would answer the questions verbally through our conversation via Zoom. And then everything that I said would be talk to text through the Otter app onto a Word document. Yeah. And then, and then so then she helped me to move everything that I said around into the actual chapter, right, to make it make sense in the chapter. And then it, we did that 11 times. Wow. And and so we were accomplished. We were done with the book basically in about three and a half or four months, just meeting every other Thursday to talk about it. But yeah. then I did have a team of people that looked at it and gave me uh, credit or critiques. And then we did a final edit. We had copy editing, just to your point. So sometimes all it is, is just a simple process repeated for three or four months. And then all of a sudden your book is written. So yeah. I hope that you can do the same guy. Like, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's the whole plan. And yeah, so let's talk about a little bit about your book as well. At the same time, like let's touch on this first chapter you mentioned, which is like how to overcome the loss you had in the past. Either it could be like a business, personal, or, you know, lose, or losing like a close person of yours. Yeah. So how can we actually do that? Like with your experiences? 
Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's definitely uh, a challenging thing, right? And so when we think about uh, life with like Buddhist beliefs or some, some beliefs in Christianity or the people that I talk to, like, you know, kind of following people like Jordan Peterson online. Yeah. Um, there's this belief uh, that kind of exists across society that earth is a place where where suffering is um, like, it's unavoidable. Like we have to all experience it in some way. Yeah. Right. So we're, we're all going to feel suffering. We're all going to feel lost. We're all going to feel challenged in some way. And so I think the, the real thing that you have to be mindful of is when you're encountering some sort of loss is to do what Martin Seligman, who is kind of the old, um, you know, founder of positive psychology, he talks about something called the three P's. And so one is called personalization, right? So when we have some sort of a loss, we tend to want to take it personally, like it was our fault, or we could have done something to change it. Yeah. And it, that's, that's not true, right? So it's not your fault. Do not personalize the loss. Number two is pervasiveness. We tend to think that the loss is going to uh, kind of encapsulate or take a part of our whole life. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes that doesn't happen, right? So if we have a loss of a job or a loss of a loved one, right, it doesn't impact the totality of our life but it is a big kind of moment in our life. And then the last one is uh, permanence. And that means that we tend to think that the loss is going to last for a very long time. Like we're going to feel the emotion for years and through his research and others, they've just realized that that's not true. So when we think about loss, we have these kind of inherent beliefs around what the loss is going to do to us Mm -hmm. and they're myths, right? They're not really true. So the way that I really like to, to kind of think about this is to say, okay, what is it truly that I'm losing? Like truly, what is it that we're losing? And then to come up with say, okay, there's a bunch of negative emotions associated with this loss. Let's honor them. Let's write about them. Let's journal. Let's talk to a therapist or a counselor, talk to somebody about it, right? To get the negative emotions out or to be able to talk with somebody about it. It matters. But then it's really powerful to be able to look more positively at the various things that came from the loss. So honor the negativity, number one, but number two, let's say, okay, what did I learn? What was the benefit? What strong experiences or positive memory do I have about this person or thing or whatever it was, right? That's really important to go from the negative to the positive. And then the third thing is that when you think about the the person's life or the lessons that you learn from some sort of loss, Mm -hmm. then you have to think about how can I pay that forward? Who can I teach? How can I pass this on? Because in that way, it helps to really make it all make sense or to make it okay. Right. So suffering or loss, they're going to happen regardless. Like we can't control that. But then if we allow for ourselves to release the negative emotion, to try to find the positivity inside of the experience and then teach others the lessons we learned from it. Now, all of a sudden, the experience feels way safer, right? It feels way okay. We've, we've like better processed loss. So yeah. I just hope that people can do that for themselves so they feel great about whatever's happening around them. Yeah, that's great. And I love to touch on that because I think I lost too many loved ones in my lifetime. So I can totally give some value on that, which is I lost one of my best friend age of nine, just a, a summer holiday. And after like I came in back within two weeks, he just, he just gone. So he had a blood cancer within two weeks and he was nine years old. And wow. he was like, he just kind of feeling like he can't really express it like that time. And we're like a best friend. It's not like we know someone in a class. We're just best friend. We pray yeah. together. We play together. We are sharing everything, homework and everything all the time. And 
coming back from there, like we've been like friend for like just over a year now, like coming to like a middle school. And after a holiday, we are just so proper excited what we're going to do like a second semester and everything. So after coming back and just, he's just gone. It's kind of like a trauma hurt me. And that time I couldn't share with anyone and I don't know how to react to it. And that stayed with me for a long, long time. And as soon as I came over that, and my dad diagnosed with a cancer, which was like, I was around 11 and a half or 12 years old, something like that. He had a cancer for like a one and a half years before he passed, passed away. I was like around 13. Wow. Then I thought like, we knew like he's in a stage four cancer, so he's not going to make it. And that kind of like a mindset already was there but every time like he's feeling a little bit better we had the hope like he's gonna make it through some miracle will happen but eventually it didn't really happen and i convinced myself like with the pain he had to go through and everything so the positive thing is like he really from that and obviously he's gonna go heaven we believe in that so yeah so that's like one of the calm thing and i wasn't expecting that my mom would die like next uh, two and a half months, three months time. Like he passed away wow. in January uh, 11th. My mom passed away in April 8th, that day before my birthday. My birthday was on 9th mm. and I was just turning 14. And she had a heart attack because she couldn't go through the loss of my dad. So she mm. was struggling with anxiety, depression and everything like a heart related problem since my dad passed away. So losing both of them within a span of like uh, three months, which is like a really, really crazy and i was like a anti-depression medication and everything for like a, just over a year and only thing that kept me moving was like thinking a positive side of it like a good thing like my dad passed away because otherwise he wouldn't go through like so much pain like all of the medication and everything not been working like because he couldn't go sleep he couldn't turn left or right so he's sleeping on the same position someone's have to help him out to take him in the bathroom and everything so it's not easy for him and my mom like she was like a soft in kind of way seeing that kind of things and without my dad she wouldn't be happy at all like uh, with me or my other siblings and we have like their relationship is like a proper close so some people you know like they have a love and everything so she's not gonna cope it and that's why i had to convince myself like they meant to be for a together and that's what happened and what positive thing i can see is this and right now the more i'm getting older and more i'm achieving things now i realize it. if they was alive i wouldn't be where i'm today because i would have been in a different country i would have been in bangladesh and i would have lived with my family and i wouldn't have the kind of push and i wouldn't kind of have like a struggle through way make kind of like a story of my life and no one would listen like what would they listen and i wouldn't know like what to talk about because i haven't gone through any kind of losses and i didn't realize yep. so whatever happens it happens for a good so only thing like it was dealing with a loss anything and not only like losing your loved ones i lost my business i nearly gone bankrupt with the business i had a career like i chose who i wasn't interested in so that kind of losses or like you study and go degree and everything you got the job your dream job i was like become a teacher and i did and after like six months i felt like this is not something i'm gonna be pursuing because i don't like the whole system is i love children i love working with them but when it comes to educational system in place in me there's too much um, um, i wasn't enjoying it at all so every lesson i learned right now 
the teaching career like I didn't pursue, but I learned how to teach others. I learned how to like uh, be accountable to others and things like that. So it helped me develop something. So right now I have a team of my company so I can teach them. I can be a better leader and everything like it happened with your life is nothing is waste. It's just a way you think like how you think that's adding value to your life. So yeah, dealing with the loss is just depends how you see it. You can be a victim of it or you can take as a, like a blessing and move forward with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to say it. And I'm, I'm sorry that all of those things hit you, uh, in a very, very short period of time, man. So that's just, that's heavy. Um, I, I call, uh, yeah. there was a part, there was a part of me that wanted to call my book, the pain to purpose journey, mm-hmm. because, you know, the, Joseph Campbell wrote a book called a hero with a thousand faces. And, and it's kind of the journey of how each of us, uh, hits rock bottom at some point in our life. And I've already mentioned the idea of suffering. And so what, what I've come to understand through the pain to purpose journey or the way that I titled the book, I know is that if we find a way to be the person we needed when we were younger, Mm-hmm. that that is deeply meaningful for us. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's kind of the theme that runs throughout my entire book is that from birth until about age 28, all humans go through a pattern of recurring challenges, right? It could be yeah. something, right. Um, who knows? It's different for each person. And then around age 28, 29, they, they find a way to overcome that challenge. And then the highest and best use of their life, their mission, if you will, for mm-hmm. the next 20 years until their late forties is to help others overcome the exact same challenge that they overcame for themselves. Right. right? And so for you, right. To think, okay, I want to become a teacher of some, some port or in some way, or I want to be a, a parent figure by having a team of individuals that I can teach and coach and guide yeah. uh, that, that makes total sense, man. And good for you for recognizing that good for you for leaving the place that you were born and starting anew, right? I did the same thing. I was raised in Michigan. I moved to Phoenix and now I live in North Carolina. Yeah. And there's something about being able to go from place to place to place and experiment, overcome challenges, try things for yourself. And, you know, for you to think about um, the loss of a family friend, the loss of parents, the loss of parts of your business. That's the very thing that I talk about in the introduction to this book was that I wanted to commit suicide. Right. I didn't want to be on earth anymore. I was just mm-hmm. so frustrated with everything that was happening. How old were you life. at that time? Like when you decided? To yeah. So I, uh, so I moved to Arizona in 2003, did the degree program 2008 to 2010 Yeah. was, was coaching from, you know, basically 2011 through now still coaching. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to commit suicide in May of 2019. So about two and a half years ago. And so I had already been established as a coach. I had already, you know, been in Phoenix for a while. Uh, But still, where I left a romantic relationship, my stepdaughter went off to college, there was a part of my business that was not working, I was on the verge of bankruptcy, just like you. Yeah. And so all of those things were hitting me at the same time. And I was like, this is just too gnarly to have to deal with day to day to day. Like there's gotta be some other way. And so my, my heart definitely connects to yours Razzle, because I feel in my life have felt a lot of the same things that you just described. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. Like no one would know, right? Like when you establish yourself and everything, like you're going through like a suicidal thoughts. And even though like 20, 2019, you mentioned like you've already been in a business for five, six years. And 
we oftentimes judge people like, <clears throat> uh, look at him, how successful he is and everything is going right for him and everything. But we don't know like what's going on in the behind the scene. So we, we do like not many people would know in 2019, like what's going on to yourself. Most people yeah. will see looking at your social media and, and things, or Michael having a great life. He's been businessing for like over a decade or something yeah. and everything is fine. But behind the scene, like you're struggling and, and not many people like willing to share that. And yeah, thank you for sharing. Yeah. Like a lot of people can relate to that. Like in 2020 and this year, even though right now it's a pandemic, a lot of people in business struggle and probably have suicidal thoughts. Like we was like compared to like a bigger business, we are really, really small businesses like yourself, myself, we are in marketing and you're in coaching. But those who are doing 10 million a year, 20 million a year in revenue, those businesses going bankrupt. In UK, like uh, last two months, we got 23 or 24 energy companies got bust, like they own administration and they're bankrupt. 23 of them because the energy price has gone up and people are not paying the bills and just gone. And then of small companies, their revenue is 100 million, 50 million mm. a year, you know. And th think about the company director and company CEO founder how they going through a lot yeah. of people uh, they just say undescribable like probably people think he's driving a Rolls Royce or something <laughs> but he's scared of like yeah, I can lose that Rolls Royce I can lose my palace and I'm just yep. in the verge of bankruptcy and suicidal thoughts is there yeah 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 it's definitely happening all over the world I agree and and it makes me sad that those things are occurring mm -hmm. um, but there's a lot of things uh, that we just can't control and so we have to build up an emotional resilience to be able to respond to them. And I think yeah. that's where, where the future is. I've seen it happen over the last, you know, 20 months since the pandemic started is that we're moving to a very decentralized uh, way of life. And so what I think is going to happen in the next probably six to 12 months is we're going to see more large businesses fail. Yeah. And you're going to see more people start up their own businesses. And we're going to see a very local distribution of business and how we conduct business. Yeah. And so there's a really big transformation that's occurring on earth right now. And so people, as they leave corporations and stop working mm -hmm. for corporations and they start doing something for themselves, we're all going to be eventually in the next five, six years, we're all going to be small business owners. Yeah. And so people like Razzle or people like Michael uh, just happen to be doing it a little bit earlier than the rest of the people on earth, but they're all getting there. Yeah. And so it's like it, the transition away from doing something that you've loved or doing something that you've known for a very long time in a central hierarchical structure that has a lot of revenue mm -hmm. um, that, that although it produced revenue, it made employees really unhappy. Right. Yeah. That, you know, they were really sad. There was a lot of stress. You know, there were a lot of things that weren't going well. And so I think, although it's short term, it's a little bit challenging. We're moving to a place where people are going to be really happy because they have more control over their time. Yeah. Right. And that matters. And so I think for you and I, Razzle, we have a lot of control over our time and where we spend time and who we spend time with. And I hope that more and more people have that too. Yeah, absolutely. And so true in that. Like, I believe in like a lot of people needs to come to in business and do their own thing. And it makes it easier for everyone. You don't really have to have a, like a business of 10 employees, 100 employees or something like that. You just be yourself, your own boss and be a freelancer in anything. If you're good at video editing, just do video editing. If you like uh, helping other people on a coach or consultant, you can do that. Uh, 
that that is so so many things right now you can make videos you can make videos tiktok videos instagram videos and youtube videos you can just do so many things and you don't really have to be a business person you just be who you are even though you love cooking you just be a cook person like a create a youtube channel on tiktok and then you have the online shop and sell your own like a spatulas your puns and pots and everything so yep, yeah totally yeah, yeah you don't really have to be a big business person no, you don't. Not at all. And I think that's where society is kind of moving. We're moving back to those small town mindsets where yeah. people find something that they really love to do and then they do it. And it doesn't matter what it is, right? As long as it doesn't hurt another person, do whatever it is that you want to do. And that's yeah. what I hope people get from my book is that I hope that if they are disengaged at work or they're unhappy or they feel unappreciated or they're maybe not living up to their potential or maybe they don't have work-life balance, you know, maybe that's why they would want to read the book because then all of a sudden from reading the book, they're going to discover a, a different, like authentic version of their self, or maybe their life's purpose. And yeah. then if they do that, and then they live that, right, there's a different level of happiness and joy and fun. And like, that's why I want people to read the book or, or another version of the book. If there's others out there yeah. is to just get to that point of being able to stop doing the things that are hurtful or unfulfilling and to start doing the things, no matter what it is that are really joy filled. Right. And I've already yeah. shared with you, Rezel, that my business has shifted and changed quite a bit because of societal change, but yeah. my, my mission, my purpose has remained the same throughout. And then who knows in two or three years, you and I might talk and what it is that you're doing will probably shift and adjust too, but the, your personal mission will be the same regardless. Yeah. So I just want people to shed parts of the past and then walk into this new, better version of the future. Absolutely. So, Michael, we're running out of time for this podcast. And it's like absolute pleasure to yeah. you come in here and sharing your journey. I really appreciate it. So yeah. those who's listening, if they want to read your book, how they can find your book. Sure. Uh, thank you, Razel. So michaelsseaver.com is my website. So two S's there in the center. My middle name is Scott. So michaelsseaver.com. Uh, and then there's a, a, a section up in the menu to just where it says books and you can just learn about I know there. So michaelsseaver.com forward slash books is a, is a quick way to do it. Uh, otherwise, depending on where you're at. So Google, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Apple, uh, the book is available at 40,000 retailers around the world and it's available print, ebook, and audiobook if someone wants to listen to it. So michaelsseaver.com books or go to your favorite retailer and just type in I know in my last name and it'll pop up. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much for like sharing that. So yeah, I really, really appreciate it for you coming to the show and sharing your valuable information and your knowledge. Uh, I wish you good luck with your book. Also good yeah. luck with your career, business yeah. and life and everything. Yeah. So, Same to you, Rezel. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving and Christmas as well. Thanks, Mike. So that's a wrap, guys. Thank you so much for listening. So you know how to find the book I know. So go check out his book on Amazon or any other retailers and get a copy yourself and yeah, give it a shot. So till then, stay safe, stay healthy. I'll talk to you in the next episode. Thank you guys.